Resident Lighting Specialist to Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Eric Harper joins us from Charlotte, North Carolina, where he is Senior Vice President at SnapOne, the provider of smart living product services and software to professional integrators. Like many on the manufacturing side of this business, Eric started his career as a custom integrator. But his switch from CI to manufacturer back in 2001 was especially notable in that he helped launch Onkyo's high-end Integra and Integra Research audio brands into the specialty retail and CI channels. Prior to his current 12-year run at Snap, Eric also held marketing and product development roles at Sunfire and Elan. During the recent Cedia Expo in Dallas, Eric led my tour of the Snap One booth, where we explored a slew of new products across the control, audio, surveillance, and networking categories. And then, as the dust had just about settled following that successful event, we learned that Snap One had acquired Parasol, the 24-7 remote support service based on its own overseas platform. So needless to say, there's a lot to discuss about the always evolving Snap One brand, which is why I'd like to welcome Eric Harper to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Eric. How's thing, how are things going in the Charlotte area? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a great sunny day here. It doesn't feel like November uh, in the Charlotte area. Uh, happy voting day, by the way. I, I did my duty this morning. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great week. Um, glad to be back from a, a few weeks of... Uh, being on the road. Great seeing you in a couple of those locations. And uh, yeah, we're, we're looking for a, a strong finish to the end of the year here. So uh, glad to be on today with you. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we did see each other again at HTSA following Cedia. So that was in my backyard down in downtown Indianapolis. So I didn't have to f- travel far, fortunately, for that one. Um, I don't remember exactly when we met, but I, I feel like we've always known each other in this industry. Um, makes sense since um, I launched Residential Systems, my prior publication back in 2000, which is the year right before you joined Onkyo. So I think we just have always been around each other <laughs> in various roles over the years. Yeah. Um, but before we start start talking about all the Snap One fun stuff and the new products, um, that I was researching your background and your, your roles, and most of them I knew, but the one thing I didn't really know much about was your um, transition from product engineer at the integration firm Definitive Concepts, which you were at 97 to 2001, to then helping launch a brand with the Integra and Integra Research brands. And I just wonder, how did that occur? How did you go from integrator to helping launch um, a brand for Onkyo? Yeah, it's a great, uh, well, so it's walk down memory lane. So let's see if I got, in my old age, let's see if I get it right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, maybe maybe if I just jump back uh, briefly, yeah. um, you know I, I was uh, finishing up my electrical engineering degree and uh, when I was in college and all my buddies were going to, you know grad school or going to work in a lab for a chip supplier or something all these uh, all the usual suspects and uh, at a career fair I ran into a gentleman who was the father of a, a guy that had a, a, a few person shop in uh, Virginia and so. Unlike my peers, I said, I'm going to take the plunge and, and go you know, sell toys for a living, uh, smart homes. And so um, that's how I, I got into this industry. Of course, I always had a passion for, uh, for electronics. Uh, I blame my parents who bought me a, I think it 
think it was a 160 and one kit from Radio Shack as a mm. kid. Uh, if anybody's ever played with those, they had little springs that you use to wire circuits. And uh, I discovered if I hooked it to the, uh, I think it was the wire that was like the support wire for the telephone pole that my radio design would actually get better reception because I had a better antenna or ground or something. I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, that started my love for electronics. But to answer your question on the the uh, the shift, um, I distinctly remember being with my wife driving back from a uh, seeing my folks uh, for for one uh, one holiday or another, and, and sort of outlined like what would my next job be and what would the perfect thing using my skills, what my interests are, et cetera. And I kind of wrote it all down when I got home. And uh, I forget the. this is in the, again, the, you know, probably, I guess, early 2000s, I guess, to your point. Um, I don't remember if it was monster jobs or hot jobs or whatever the, the job search of the day was, but I, I kind of got on there and started searching and I found like literally the thing that I had written down and didn't know who the company was at the time. Uh, I think I was 24 years old. Um, and uh, long story short, they, they had a recruiter called me back, which I was shocked. Uh, I think two days later, I was on a plane to New Jersey and uh, ultimately uh, got the gigs. I was, uh, I think, employee number one or two that had a, a business card that said Integra on the business card. And so, um, so it was the beginning of, of a great career uh, on the manufacturing side of, of the space. Um, and uh, kudos to, uh, I have to name drop uh, Mark Friedman's name from mm. uh, at the time New York marketing team in the area, who's a uh, the guy that gave me my first big break uh, on the manufacturing side. So, um, so it's been a great journey since. So you held a national product and marketing manager, uh, and mar I guess those are separate roles, national product. And, oh, is it one role, it's, I guess, right? <laughs> national yeah, one, one role related. Yeah, I was sort of the, the U.S.-based liaison with uh, between Japan and uh, engineering and plant product planning teams there. Um, and yeah, they, they, they gave a, a 24, 25-year-old guy who uh, way more responsibility than he ever should have had. And, and we crushed it. We had a great, uh, had a four and a half year run or so there. And it was uh, a lot of travel, a lot of, uh, a lot of the folks uh, like yourself who I've met over the years and still keep in touch with today, I, I attribute to those uh, early experiences. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we probably got to know each other better during your Sunfire days. So you worked with a pretty noteworthy uh, industry brand there. Um, I guess taking your knowledge from the Integra side of things, and then um, and then that brand was acquired by Elon, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. And so you went to work at another pretty big, noteworthy brand in our our, our industry. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, this industry has a way of uh, of keeping you locked in, right? <laughs> yes, I, I always joke people that have have come to uh, uh, you know. Obviously, you mentioned earlier my. My long stint here at, at Snap One, and uh, folks who come into the business from outside the industry, I said, "Well, you're, you're doomed now. You're going to be here forever. You know, we, we let you in and don't let you out." So <laughs> that's right. And you've held various roles there at Snap, and uh, it's obviously Snap AV, Snap One, um, nomenclature. Uh, I was looking over some some research just to make sure I wasn't forgetting anything from our booth tour, and found a, a great preview video from Cedia, uh, John Hammond, who I've interviewed on this podcast and good guy. I, uh, enjoyed hearing him sort of give a state of the union, um, for the industry about the housing market and how the company is really trying to create a variety of price points just to make sure that you, uh, don't just cater to the high end. If there's changes in the, the economy and you want to be able to provide opportunities for many different consumers who want smart home products. Um, and I was just happy, 
happy that he was overall pretty optimistic. I I think it's probably the role of the CEO to put on a brave face if things are a little bit shaky or you know not too sure about the future. But I do think that he had some some knowledge behind that too, and just making sure that you're making the right decisions. But um, dozens of new products at Cedia. Um, G. Paul has your chief product officer touched on the video, some background about how you'd re-engineered Oversee in the past three years. Can you maybe t- talk about a little bit about that particular product as we get started and then we'll get into the specific new products at Cedia? Sure. Yeah, you, you bet. For those who are, are uh, unfamiliar with Oversee, it's O-V-R-C. So uh, a little bit of a a uh, play on uh, letters or words there, and, and it's our remote management uh, platform. Um, so Oversee began as you know pretty humble beginnings of of uh, we had power products that were IP enabled uh, called Wattbox, and um, you know many years ago you know it was very frequent that that you needed to and still today you need to reboot products to to make them come back to life. You know the the old joke of well have you tried unplugging it? You know. Yeah. Uh, to have to roll a truck to unplug something is uh, not only is it unpleasant for both the the integrator and the end customer, but it costs money in doing so. And so, um, so uh, Oversee was, was sort of born from that need of a simple way to remotely um, uh, diagnose and troubleshoot and, and fix problems. And so, over the years, it's expanded into, uh, as, as most of your listeners are probably aware, into a very robust. Um, not just you know sort of break fix tool for and remote management tool, but also it's integral into the the configuration uh, of the uh, of the devices on the network. Um, not just Snap One devices today, but also uh, third party devices as well. As we've expanded with a, a kind of a, a derivative product called Oversee Pro um, that expands the capabilities uh, of Oversee. And so, to your point on the <clears throat> the uh, sort of what have we done um, over the you know last year eighteen months, uh, we've we've uh, done a ton of re-engineering of sort of the, the a lot of the team is does behind the scenes work that uh, you know they're they're sort of the silent champions that uh, they don't they don't get their day in the limelight necessarily with you know the new uh, whiz bang feature ad but man are they important to the to the stability of the platform so um, reducing um, you know notifications for example was a, a major effort that that team undertook um, we reduced I believe the number somewhere around seventy eight percent. Uh, of, uh, of errant notifications as a result of, of their efforts, which is fantastic. Um, similarly, we have um, been incorporating through um, you know, our merger with Control 4 back in 2019, we had Ahiji and Backpack that both offered um, similar but different sort of remote management offerings as well. And so uh, we've brought all of those uh, under one roof under the, the overseas flag, uh, which was, has been a, a great effort to align you know, the various of. Uh, uh, first-party products that we offer uh, underneath a, a single tool for our partners. So um, there's lots more to come on, on overseas, some of which uh, we can get into when we when we talk about what we were up to uh, unveiling at Cedia. But um, but yeah, we're we're very uh, excited about the platform and and know that uh, our partners, uh, many thousands of them, use it every day. So yeah, and I see you can you can do Wi-Fi management as well through that now. So you you have guest networks and VLANs and things like that in the home that uh, I guess the uh, the integrator, if they need to step in and do that remotely then, is that what that means? Or is that through the homeowner's uh, app? Yeah, there, there's a component to uh, on the homeowner side or the or the business side. We, we've made an intentional change from Oversee Home to what we call Oversee Connect to make it more uh, market agnostic because it is very relevant in non-home applications. Oh, sure. you know, if you're in a small business and 
uh, the end customer needs a button, you know, the bartender needs a button to push to reset TVs or uh, a Roku or Apple TV or something like that. Um, it's very applicable there as well. Um, but yes, to your point on, on Wi-Fi management, that was a, a, a very significant recent update that we launched with our uh, 820 series Arachnus access point that launched uh, very recently. And that gives you the ability to do um, full configuration of that access point within overseas. So as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's expanded well beyond simply being a, a break fix tool, which for early adopters of the platform, they, they probably think of it first and foremost as, you know, it saves my bacon on Saturday when I don't <laughs> want to roll a truck to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones's house to go solve a problem. Uh, but it's so much more than that. Uh, and so, uh, again, as we continue to to work on new product developments, new software updates, uh, we'll continue to expand it beyond simply the, um, the, the break fix that I know uh, folks know and love today. And also just in the broader picture, before we get to the CDN new products, um, there's mention of the operating system for control four and being OS 3.3. Um, I know there's a, even an update beyond that. Um, what are some of the updates and changes that happened with that particular update? Yeah, great question. Um, well, we have, as those who've been paying attention to what's going on on, the, on our lighting offering with Control 4, um, there were a lot of features within uh, OS 3.3.1 uh, related to lighting and, and I believe the version prior as well. So, um, you know, things like uh, color wheels, uh, more intuitive access to lighting, icons that show you know, the current color temperature uh, of, of the light in question. Um, we, with, with uh, 3.3.1, we um, included the ability to not just uh, do sort of firmware, firmware updates in Overseas that, um, that many are familiar with, you know, updating the firmware on a, on a you know, Arachna switch, for example, or a Wattbox PDU. But now you can also upgrade the controller on the job for Control 4, which obviously it's a lot more than just firmware. These are large updates that our partners are used to doing from uh, using uh, our Composer Pro software uh, to push those. Um, so it's a, a glimpse into the future of how we're bringing our product platforms together under one kind of uh, cohesive umbrella. So you know, one plus one plus one equals five or hopefully greater than, than five uh, to make it really easy for partners in the process. Now, one of the other big news items that occurred prior to Cedia, and you saw a little bit of that in integration, but still somewhat separate. Um, last year, Snap One acquired Access Network, so you got even more coverage in that networking category in that portfolio. Um, what was it that that as that respected brand, Access Networks, brought to? the snap one family that wasn't already available with your networking solutions uh yeah great question uh two things sort of at the core of of that one was uh, certainly you know very um capable and um uh, you know well-respected uh access points right so the, the the technology that's in their access points the um the beamflex plus technology for you know, the dynamic antenna arrays and things like that were uh, the, the core of the technologies were things that, um, that we wanted in our portfolio. Um, you know, our, our uh, at least my, my view of, of, of uh, these kind of things is, uh, is build by partner pass, right? So you, when you're evaluating something, you can say, well, we don't want to be in that category, so we're going to pass, or we don't want that product, so we'll pass on it. If you, if you say you do want to be in it, then you have three choices. You can build it yourself. You can try to partner with someone like as a third-party distributor, 
um, or you can look to acquire. And so um, we did the latter uh, in the case of Access Networks. Um, the second half, in, in addition to the product technology, um, equally as important uh, was the uh, the services offering that Access has to deploy, you know, uh, fully configured networks, um, both the um, you know, the product suites needed, uh, but, but uh, the people as well, right? Having super knowledgeable uh, network engineers on staff who uh, understand the challenges that our partners face, who are a trusted resource, and ultimately who can deploy a super reliable system um, to, the, to the specs needed for the job, uh, right to the, the partner and to ultimately to the end customer. So um, those are sort of the, the two main um, decisions in, in that uh, decision tree. Uh, it's been a great add to the portfolio, by the way. We recently um, launched all four uh, or, or four of the main um, Access Networks Unleashed products uh, on the uh, partner portal at snapid.com. Yeah, and that's the thing that most who are veterans of this industry know about the the Snap One brand and Snap AV before that kind of started off as a a really specific distributor of products and then started manufacturing your own products and branded products and acquiring major brands like Control Four and many others um, and it's become as much of a manufacturer as a distributor as well so it sometimes gets confusing when there's an acquisition and it's already been in the portfolio as a distribution product, I guess. Um, one that comes to mind, I believe if I'm correct is Claire controls was that one of those brands that was, um, a product within the distribution family, but then now is actually owned by snap one. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned sort of the, the build by partner pass before, sometimes they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you know, as an example, it, it, it Snap AV previous to the Birchwood C4 and the rebrand to Snap One, we had we intentionally had had sort of passed on control for quite some time, right? We the notion was uh, we'll we'll be Switzerland. You know, myself, yeah. uh, G. Paul, you mentioned earlier, our, our chief product officer David Moore, who's our head of technology. A number of us came from um, you know previous companies that that were in the control space, and so. Um, it wasn't that we weren't familiar with it. We just, we had a lot of other things that we were focused on at the time. And so, you know, eventually we sort of came to the realization we can no longer say pass on, on that uh, category. And so um, at the same time, we were, um, we were entering into, in a pretty meaningful way into uh, adjacent markets with security and commercial. And so um, Claire had recently undergone some, some uh, changes internally on their side. And so um, I guess it was early uh, 2019 or so is when we announced uh, that we were going to be you know, the exclusive distributor for uh, for their products, and then of course, you know, a very short time period later, um, Control Four merger happened. So, um, you know, Claire was uh, still is um, a, a very great product in our portfolio, uh, primarily focused around sort of the smart security, uh, smart home security space. So, uh, a lot of the uh, integrations that, that you kind of would expect from something like a Control Four, um, obviously on a on a more um, entry-level scale, um, but more importantly, with the services of professional monitoring and a security panel, um, all integrated with with Claire. So um, back to your previous point on um, some of the uh, product premier statements that we had leading into Cedia, um, you know, we realized that the pyramid for our industry is is big. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of partners focus maybe at the tip of the pyramid. Uh, production builders may be high volume at the bottom of the pyramid. And of course, there's always a, a fat middle. So um, when you look at our um, current yeah, between Claire and Control 4, obviously uh, very different products for, for different applications, 
uh, both very relevant. Um, when you look at our audio strategy internally, we call it We're Pros by Audio. So to your point earlier, we were sort of single threaded with, with our episode brand for a long time. Control 4 acquired Triad a number of years ago to own their speaker brand as well. Uh, and now we offer, you know, I think four, maybe even five uh, audio brands uh, across our, our various storefronts, two of which are, uh, are our own brands. The others are, are third parties. So, um, again, leveraging uh, data to inform that we've, we've done a bunch of survey work over the years and, and know that partners uh, select multiple speaker brands for a variety of reasons. Um, and so uh, that's just one, one of several examples where uh, we've got a um, kind of an evolution of our approach from being a sort of a, a, a one brand for one category um, back, at, back in the old days, to your point. Yeah. And, and as we wrap up the section that I guess I should have called acquisitions, <laughs> mergers and acquisitions, uh, I'll just touch on the parasol uh, thing that I said something about in the intro. And I guess that's probably the most uh, unsurprising acquisition in that that 24-7 remote support service, that very hands-on people-oriented service. Not the only one doing it, but it was based on the Oversea platform. So, you know, it makes total sense that I guess Snap One would own that. Um, maybe just a little insight into how that changes things and what that enables that product to be able to do. Maybe being under the Snap One ownership as opposed to its uh, founders uh, running the show. Sure. Yeah, uh, we, we've obviously been very close with uh, the Parasol team, um, you know, really since uh, inception. Um, you know, Greg Simmons, who is our VP of Industry Partnerships, was one of the the co-founders of Parasol. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, we've we've uh, been, been very close to what's been going on there for uh, for a number of years. For us, you know, the um, if when we look at our um, uh, our end customer or the industry's end customer satisfaction or net promoter score, um, you, you know, it's it's uh, in many cases not not great, right? Um, there, and we all have heard you know the the uh, the stories of um, you know I've got A, B, or C customer that you know, that I don't want to go back to, or, uh, you know, they're just unsatisfied for one reason or another. There are a variety of reasons. Um, oftentimes it's because, you know, we're all busy. Uh, our partners are busy and, and if the customer can't get a hold of them, you know, real time on a Saturday to my point earlier, um, that creates friction and tension. And, and, uh, so Parasol, um, really is a, uh, takes the load of that challenge for, um, the partner to be able to kind of scale their support infrastructure. Um, and ultimately what we found is much higher net promoter scores, uh, i.e., you know, in customer satisfaction, uh, for Parasol users versus non-Parasol users, and so um, it's a meaningful, um, a meaningful difference in you know in customer set, which will drive more referrals, uh, potentially more upgrade opportunities down the road. So it's it's about driving the uh, you know the satisfaction of the customer first and foremost, but ultimately the lifetime value to the partner, and hopefully for us uh, long term in the process. Um, and to your point, the fact that that Oversee was such a critical component of sort of the back end that they leverage um, sort of made it a, a really um, a great bolt on sort of fit to uh, to what we were doing. Um, and, um, you know, as we continue to evaluate, you know, our Oversee platform, the Control 4 platform, the services offering, i.e. Parasol, um, it was kind of the, the next extension of um, the hardware to the cloud with Oversee and then ultimately to the service. Well, after the break, uh, we will continue our conversation with Eric Harper. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? 
Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Eric Harper, Senior Vice President at Snap One. And Eric, you've gotten uh, the, all the mergers acquisitions conversation out of the way now, and we're going to move to uh, some of that stuff that we talked about at Cedia. And uh, and I guess it really will run down the the list here. And I uh, I can't bury the lead that I just was so excited to hear about a new remote control. Everybody loves a user interface, and uh, I just wanted to kind of run through that it's uh, based on the existing neo acquisition remote um, product that was developed outside of control 4 and acquired by control 4 and you've created this halo remote now that looks a bit like it there's two different versions can you talk about what's different about it versus what you had before with neo and um, the improvements and uh, i guess evolution of that product yeah, ha- happy to. Um, yeah, I would say in, instead of based on Neo, I would say inspired by okay, uh, sure. Neo. Um, and, and the best quote that I heard at the show uh, was one, one partner walked up with a big grin on his face and said, wow, you, you guys did everything I asked for. Like mm. I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, and that's, you know, it's a testament to, uh, you know, I got one of our, our notebooks sitting here. We're known for, for carrying our notebooks around the show floor and, and listening attentive, uh, attentively. And that's not just for show. Um no pun intended, at the trade show. Um, but that's, that's sort of our mantra, right? We, we listen hard uh, and try to make sure that it's actionable. And so um, the product teams did a great job of, of collecting all that feedback, understanding you know, where the pain points were, where the opportunities might be, and delivering uh, what we think is a, an amazing product that got a, a great reception at the show. So with that being said, um, yes, to your point, there, uh, there's what we call the, the Halo and then the Halo Touch. Um, the Halo is a uh, a tactile version, no touch screen, um, has a large screen on it, but it's not touch. Um, and the tactile is, is the version, I'm sorry, the, uh, the touch is the version that does have the, uh, the touch screen. Um, and you know, the primary differences between those two are, uh, I heard one of our, our salespeople present it this way, which I thought was interesting. The, um, the, the non, uh, touch is, is great for the channel surfer where you want a bunch of hard buttons. Um, and you know, the 10 key is on there. So if you know exactly, you know, I want to go to Fox or I want to go to this channel or the other. Um, those are all there for you um, versus the touch, which is uh, still has a lot of hard buttons, all the guide and things that we that we'd heard about from uh, that we're missing on Neo. Uh, but uh, great for sort of your streaming aficionado. If you're using streaming services over the top, you know, through your Roku, um, using the many drivers that we have for control forward access, you know, Netflix or Hulu or, or others. Um, it's a great uh, remote for that. So. Um, so yeah, two models, uh, touch and non-touch, um, full suite of backlit buttons. Um, I know that sounds for anyone who's been in the industry for any amount of time. It's like when you watch TV in the dark, of course you want backlit buttons. Um, but that was something that um, on the Neo was more in favor of large, beautiful, uh, larger screen, um, fewer buttons. So we've uh, we've kind of taken the best of 
that was in Neo, the best of what is in sort of the SR260 from uh, the sort of the, um, the, uh, uh, the, go, the go-to remote for a lot of, of partners is the workhorse uh, in many cases for the, the line and kind of put those together with a, a refreshed, much more elegant solution um, with Halo. Um, a couple notables on performance, you know, the, uh, we've, we've now support uh, five gig on the uh, Wi-Fi chip. So a more modern Wi-Fi interface that not only does it communicate on the, um, you know, the more modern uh, bands, but it also consumes less battery. And so you have extended battery life. Um, I believe our teams are saying like seven to 10 days with normal use, or if not more, I think we were getting two to three days of constant use at the show, which is great. Um, the, uh, there's voice on the remote, which, um, if I can, I'll explain a little bit how that works. It's, it's pretty unique. Um, so we have a, uh, an, an open architecture, um, that our team has designed for voice. And when we ship Halo, we'll have, um, two different, um, or two drivers essentially, which are dynamic for voice, um, one for Apple TV and one for Xfinity. So, um, the way that works is when you're on those sources and you, you know, send a voice command, it actually communicates that through the API with that particular source device um, and executes that command. Um, I just saw a demo of this late last week uh, for the first time, uh, and it was, it was an amazing thing. Uh, and the reason why the open architecture is important is that we're going to, in the future, be adding, of course, more voice assistance to the equation. Right now, it's really to, to address the, the content delivery from uh, Apple and Xfinity, but will be expanded to more, you know, fulsome automation and control uh, down the road. So um, those are a, a quick few highlights on uh, the new Halo offering. And uh, just a selfish question from my perspective, because I have both of the remotes that you mentioned from the previous generation here, um, the the Neo remote and then the, the Workhorse uh, Control 4 remote. They both get used depending on which one gets picked up or out of a drawer. And if one's being finicky, the other one, other one comes in handy. Um, so what uh is this a end user uh if they wanted to have one just shipped to them directly from their dealer can they switch to the new remote or is is it a truck roll with the integrator to get those up and running no, yeah great question it, it there will be a first time user experience that the the end user uh can do similar to how we rolled out uh neo when it was launched under the control 4 brand um that being said it's important to note that you know, that's, that's all partner led. Like we, we, we're not interested in, you know, communicating to an end customer to, uh, right. to sell them a remote. I know there's, there's clearly and rightfully so a lot of sensitivity with uh, some other folks who've uh, done that in the past. So we want the partner to be a part of the, uh, a part of that. Um, but we know that, you know, wow, if we can take that load off and again, not have to roll a truck and I can sell a couple of halos on a job, that's fantastic. Right. Um, so um, that, that is something that, uh, the team will have, I believe out of the box at ship. Yeah. I mean, like if just theoretically we're talking about a member of the media who might want to get one and has an integrator, but you know, may not want to have to send them <laughs> out on the, you know, that kind of thing, just hypothetically. hypothetically. Uh, so also within the control for, um, part of the family, you had, uh, a lot about the vibrant lighting you mentioned lighting in the app before and uh 3.3 um the os so uh lighting is huge obviously in their category and what is uh control fours offering looking like this day uh these days and how it matches up with what else is out there in terms of uh the tape lighting and tunable white and all that fun stuff 
Yeah, yeah, we're we're super excited about uh, as you said, Vibrant, which is um, the Control Four branded uh, linear lighting offering that we announced at Cedia. Uh, you know, historically, uh, Control Four the, the it was all about um, control and automation of lighting. The only light that we emitted was from an LED on a uh, on a you know a dimming a dimmer or a keypad or on a product, right? We didn't actually run in the fixture space um, as uh, as others may have been, and so. Um, yeah, we're super excited to actually be in that in that space. Um, it's it, we're we're making light, not just controlling light, and in doing so, we're able to integrate it much more natively into our solution, um, i.e., the the OS three point three point one that I mentioned earlier. Um, and as as the tagline says for for vibrant, you know, live beyond the bulb. You know, it's about a lot more than an LED or diode that's you know soldered to a a piece of uh, a piece of tape, you know, it's the solution and the overall experience we can deliver. So, um, it's a complete lighting line, uh, linear lighting line that includes, of course, the the LED tape options, cool white, warm white, warm dimming, uh, fully tunable RGB, all, all the things you you would expect. Um, the uh, requisite power supplies, control interfaces, um, you know, things for like channels, various mounting hardware, extrusions, extruded aluminum for. Uh, if you're going to mud it into a wall or if you need something where it's going up into a, a soffit. Um, so all those solutions uh, will be available. Uh, and probably the most, uh, to share a uh, kind of a personal um, uh, anecdote, the, the most exciting part of the line, at least selfishly for me, is that we have uh, a Zigbee uh, wireless option to control this lighting. And so uh, many years ago uh, in my own home, uh, you know, my kitchen is landlocked. I wanted to put in some over cabinet and under cabinet lighting. Um, and I had plenty of power, obviously. We, we have outlets all, you know, like, like all do around the counter. And so um, the, the, the getting the power was not an issue, but controlling it was. I could not pull a, you know, a line for DMX or other types of wired control. And so I had to go the route of, you know, either a, a proprietary RF off Amazon, you know, kind of solution or something that was Wi-Fi based. And um, needless to say, it, it's not worked out great. Um, back to our rebooting comment earlier, those things get rebooted. Uh, if, if I was diligent, you know, probably daily they would need it, but it's more like once a week. Um, so I've kind of gotten, you know, where I don't use it anymore. And so, um, you know, back to the end customer NPS, my end customer NPS on my current solution is pretty low because it doesn't work most of the time. Um, so with, with Vibrant, now that we have a, a Zigbee option, um, there, this is going to unlock uh, tons of upgrade opportunities, we believe, for partners to be able to go into spaces um, add these fixtures, whether it's toe kicks, uh, over cabinet or counter, uh, cabinet or other accent lighting, uh, and do so in a way that is not destructive to the entire house to try to run a wire. So, um, so that's that's very exciting for us. And again, um, bringing that to life through the the new uh, OS 3.3.1 interfaces just kind of brings it all together in a way that's um, very easy to use for the end customer. Well, as cool as the lighting products are t- tied to that, but also related to audio, the Number one product, and I don't usually rank products at shows because I don't like to play favorites too much, but the one the product that I just love so much when I was on the booth tour with you was this episode Radiance Outdoor Audio and Lighting product. And it's hard for me to do it justice ex- describing it, but it's a, it's a kind of like a bollard product, but more than that, it's versatile. It can be mounted on a wall. It can be plugged into the ground with a stake. It is light audio combined 70 volt um maybe you can make it sound even cooler because it's just without it here physically to see it and the robust quality of it was just amazing to me how how well built it is um 
talk about the idea behind that. It looks like it was maybe a, an acquired technology or a partnership technology um, with Swarm, uh, I'm not familiar with. So how did that all come about, this episode Radiance product? Yeah, sure. We uh, So we've been uh, under the episode brand in the landscape lighting space for, for a number of years. Uh, it's been a very successful line for us. Um, and, and like many others, you know, it's uh, 8 ohm or 70 volt configurable, um, a variety of flavors. There's, you know, kits where you can buy, you know, kind of four, four speakers plus a sub. Um, they're a la carte solutions. Uh, so it's, it wasn't new to us. Um, and one of the things that we found through that was, um, you know, the, the idea of landscape lighting and the idea of landscape audio, you know, often go together, but uh, not really, right? Sometimes it's different trades that are doing the work. Um, sometimes it's um, not, one's not thought of until later, you know, maybe the lighting is thought of, but the speakers aren't. Um, and so we thought there was an opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of re reimagine, if you will, what was possible um, from a, um, from a, a flexibility, uh, time to install, all of that when it comes to uh, outdoor spaces. And so that was sort of the inception of Radiance. Um, yeah, on the technology front, um, we, we have been uh, working with, uh, with third party on, on some of that. It's, it's patent pending technology um, around uh, getting both audio uh, and lighting over a single two conductor wire, which if you let that sink in for a minute, you think, well, how, how does that work? It must be magic. Uh, and it is magic. That's the technology. Matter of fact, the box that brings those two things together, we, we dubbed the MB1 or the magic box one. Because, uh, <laughs> somehow it's able to bring, uh, and you have to ask our engineers how that works, but able to bring 70 volt uh, audio, uh, your speaker level audio, as well as your uh, low voltage transformer for the lighting together onto a single two conductor. So um as far as you mentioned on, on the, the form factors, yeah, they're, they're many bollards. Um, the idea of the system was to make them configurable. So you can have uh, only a speaker or only a light or a combination of both. Uh, so it makes it so you can uh, easily expand or, or move, frankly, if, if you needed to, based on the needs of the application. Um, there are stake options there are pendant options or surface mount options. So, um, you know, I've, I've got, a, a again, a personal anecdote, a couple of friends of mine that have uh, small backyards, but really nice outdoor kitchens and kind of entertaining areas. And this is absolutely a perfect solution for them because they're not looking for concert sound. They have a neighbor that's really close um, and having a solution where you can uh, have one sort of ar architecture or topology for the system and have a mixture of sort of bar lights and then bar speaker and lights and then maybe pathway lighting that's by itself and then, uh, you know, sitting area lighting that has lighting and a speaker. So um, a lot of flexibility there. Um, to your point, it was uh, one of the, the most buzzing areas uh, of the show. We had a ton of demos going. Um, I think the, uh, their, their die cast uh, zinc is the, is the material it's made of. And I think a stake, a speaker and a light together weigh, weigh something like eight pounds or something. It's, uh, it, it, it looks like something out of a, uh, a Gladiator movie or something. Like that. But it's, <laughs> it's a very cool product. Very elegant. And, and uh, not to... Get short shift. We've got two products that also were introduced. Not as glamorous, maybe as the as the two conductor uh, audio and light product, but Luma's um, the surveillance products from Luma, uh, the X twenty, I guess is the name that you use. Yeah, yeah, X X twenty family. Um, 
you know, Luma is our, is our surveillance offering, um, to your point. It's been around for a number of years. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, other than the brand name, uh, imagine the X20 is, is essentially a relaunch of the family of surveillance. Um, there wasn't a, a single stone that was unturned uh, on that project. Um, the, the key things to point out here are, uh, you know, smaller form factors. Um, you know, when you're hanging these, especially in a residential application, you want them to be discreet. Um, you know, uh, so they're up to 30% smaller than, than previous models. Um, back to the, the power of Oversee combined with our products, um, the full configuration via Oversee will save, uh, we believe, hours on the job. You know, our, our data would suggest that there's, you know, over six cameras per job. And if you figure, you know, it takes an hour or so to configure each camera, which I've heard in a number of partner conversations, if you can cut that down to 30 minutes, that's three hours of savings uh, of time, which, you know, let's for round numbers, let's just use a hundred bucks an hour. That's 300 bucks. Um, mm. So uh, that's a, a huge time savings. Um, it can all be done remotely. Uh, and, it, you know, a video is worth a, a thousand words. We'll, we'll share that with you to uh, if it's usable after the fact. But, um, <laughs> you know, being able to go into oversee, see uh, live video during the setup process, do line crossing, do your AI events, sensitivities, motion detection, uh, all without having to ever go to a local UI, um, you know, entering a username and password, you know, accessing an IP address of each camera, username and password. Those things take a lot of time. And so uh, Oversee, uh, in, in a very positive way, shortcuts all of that uh, to make it much, much faster. Um, I mentioned some of the AI capabilities. Uh, we have um, you know, things like um, uh, human detection, vehicle detection, things like that, that, that you would expect from a modern camera. So that's new in the line. Uh, we've also um, probably the, one of the biggest stories for our partners is uh, completely redesigned the end customer facing uh, app. So finding events, saving clips, sharing clips, all of that uh, is is new. Um, and one of the, yeah, as you alluded to earlier with sort of um, spanning the, the realm or, you know, thinking about DIY over here and professional grade here, like how can we help our, our industry differentiate? Uh, and this is a good example where, the app supports up to 16 channels of uh, event playback. So if, imagine if you're on an iPad or on your desktop, being able to go to an event like a, a person being seen at the front door um, and then seeing all those cameras as the person walks around your property, right? Versus one by one having to go to every camera in a, in a more DIY type solution. So um, so that's great. Uh, NDAA compliance, obviously, with, with uh, uh, that being a hot topic these days in the surveillance world. And then uh, lastly, you know, back to our ability to do tighter integration by having the product and the control solution. Um, it's much easier to integrate within the Control 4 platform. So a few quick highlights there on X20. And last but not least, you got the, the Arachnus um, AN820 wireless access point, which I guess the, the big key there is the Wi-Fi 6 um, capability. So maybe just fill us in on that and we can kind of wrap up our, our virtual tour of Cedia. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, yeah, AN820 uh, is our, our first, uh, it's the first um, uh, oversee enabled Wi-Fi 6 access point. Um, it's, it's under the Arachnus brand, to your point. Um, it's our flagship AP uh, under the brand. Um, you mentioned the oversee integration earlier. So uh, being able to do multi-WAP deployments uh, through oversee uh, is, is much faster. So you know, you're, you're, if you're hearing a theme, that's very intentional from our product team around how do we make it easier to drive um, you know, faster deployments 
from through our, through our integrators to their end customers because we know we're capacity constrained as an industry. Labor is not free and it's also not infinite, right? So we're trying to make things easier upstream so that our partners have more capacity to do more projects. Um, and so that the A20 uh, makes big strides there with Oversee. Uh, and uh, right after Cedia, uh, just a plus one on this, we um, introduced our uh, 520 as well. So this is, uh, it's on coming soon. It'll, it'll be shipping shortly, but um, that's uh, sort of our entry level um, Wi-Fi 6 solution that pairs with the A20 that's the more enterprise product. And Eric, as we wrap up, I, I don't want to turn this into any kind of a negative spin at the very end of a great conversation, but um, obviously supply chain has been a big you know, challenge for everybody in all different industries. Uh, how are things looking in terms of uh, your products getting to your, your partners, uh, aka the integrators? Um, and uh, are you seeing things kind of smooth out at all in terms of supply chain? Yeah, I'd say uh, this is a question where uh, there's no place I'd rather be than Snap One because our, our team has done an amazing job on navigating supply chain. Uh, so, um, you know, our, uh, our, our numbers, um, you know, we're in the 90 plus percent uh, in stock across all SKUs across our network, which you know, at face value, that, that sounds great. I know uh, for your listeners who have been impacted by a skew here or there, you know, not all SKUs are created equal. You know, being out of a connector is different than being out of a, a centralized lighting product, right? So uh, so we understand that. But but it is a great story for us. Again, um, I can't give enough kudos to our, um, our supply chain and operations teams who have just done uh, you know, yeoman's work and making sure that we've navigated that. Um, and that's part of what, um, you know, we, we as a, 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 you know, a company that has, has some scale, at least for, for our small industry relative to others, um, we were really able to lean in with our, uh, with our suppliers and make sure that we, whenever possible, could, could either get to the front of the line and in many cases, you know, pay more, um, something called PPV or purchase price variance is something that uh, companies in our, in our space and all over the world are, are very much paying attention to as things have gotten more expensive as the supply has, has dried up. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, I'd say, uh, in hindsight, I still give us a plus plus grade on, on how the team has managed that. Hopefully your listeners will agree. Not that we didn't have our, our hiccups here and there, but I think by and large, uh, we, we managed through it, um, with, uh, with flying colors. Uh, and as far as outlook goes, you know, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw a dart, who knows where the world's headed. Uh, right. but I think we, we would say that, um, you know, things are, uh, continue to progress, uh, as we talk to partners around their inventory levels and kind of what are they seeing overall, um, it feels like the general consensus is that things have gotten better. You know, looking at AV receivers, for example, which were impossible to get for a long time, are now. You know, I talked to a gentleman uh, last week who said he had nine that just showed up and he'd forgotten that he had an open order. Right. So, uh, one example of, of I think um, things moving in the right direction. So. Uh, you know, certainly I'm optimistic for where we're headed and I'm, I'm also hopeful and optimistic for where, uh, what the industry can expect overall as well. Well, and I had no idea going into CD Expo, how much new product conversation there would be as companies just try to get through a rough couple of years in terms of getting current product out the door. So you see new products introduced and 
uh, I would imagine that you're not introducing things that you don't plan on shipping fairly soon. So uh, ship dates on all the things we talked about pretty much by the end of the year or what's the plan for those? Yeah, we, we, uh, we usually, you know, by the end of the year is, uh, is what we shoot for. Um, some, some of these are, are into January. Um, but, but yeah, we, we don't like showing vaporware. We want to make sure that if we're showing it, uh, it's, it's ready to go, you know, at the show or soon thereafter. So, um, so yeah. Well, I can't wait to try out the new remote when it's ready, and uh, I will not take somebody else's that needs it, the, um, the important customers out there. But I do look forward to experiencing that as a as a pretty happy uh, control for, quote unquote control for customer, snap one customer, I guess broadly speaking. So, looking forward to that, and um, I, I'm sure that your um, your your partners out there are excited about all the new stuff. So, thanks so much for giving us a, a virtual taste of what. We saw at Cedia. Absolutely. Thanks for the time, Jeremy. Eric Harper is Senior Vice President at Snap One. You can learn more about Snap One's extensive collection of smart home solutions for homes and businesses at snapone.com. And that wraps up today's show. Thank you to Alan Tozinski for producing and editing this episode. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating us or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, check out the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential